Hi, this is Keith Cutter with EMF Remedy. You're listening to the Reversing Electromagnetic Poisoning podcast. This is a show for EMF refugees and would-be refugees who've realized that exposure to harmful man-made electromagnetic radiation is a problem, and they need the solution. This is episode number four, What is Dirty Electricity? Today we're going to talk about what not only what dirty electricity is, but what causes it, how can we measure it, and how should we think about it in the context of an environmental toxin. In short, dirty electricity is everything that shouldn't be there on your electric lines. But we'll get into more detail on that. So I want to begin by asking you to imagine something with me. Imagine that you are approached by a group of people who offer you something that has never been offered in the history of mankind. Now, this is some time in the past, so you're going to have to put out of your mind all of our modern conveniences and all of our modern comforts. But they approach you and they say, we'd like to give you an opportunity to live in a box. That's right, a box. They explain that it will have doors and windows. However, inside of this box are going to be comforts that you'd never imagined, conveniences you couldn't dream of, and even amusement in a form that you've never experienced before. So you're a bit confused and you're not really sure if they're on the level, but you decide to go ahead as well as many of your countrymen, and they get into these boxes. Now, before you accepted this offer, it was explained to you that in living in this box, there's going to be a number of antennas. And you didn't really know what an antenna was, but antennas in the walls of the house. And that they would be putting electricity there, but it couldn't possibly harm you. You shrug your shoulders, you go inside, and you find, my goodness, it is comfortable. It's more comfortable than any place I've ever lived. And in terms of convenient, oh my goodness, we used to have to light oil lamps and candles to get light after the sun went down. Now we just flip on a switch and we have electric light in our home. And convenient? Oh my. We can have electric motors, which enable us to do all kinds of things we couldn't do before. No longer do we have to pump our own water. We simply turn the tap, and an electric pump begins pumping the water for us. We have refrigeration for the first time, and even something that we can use to wash our clothes with all powered by electric motors. So you're quite happy with the choice that you have made to participate in this experiment. And if you haven't guessed by now, that experiment was the electrification of homes in North America. Yes, those were the boxes that we're talking about living in. The antennas in the walls that we talked about were, of course, 
the electric wires of varying lengths running from the, in those days, a fuse panel, but what we call today the main electric panel, to each of the branch circuits in the home. If you've been with us for a little while now, you've heard about analogies with radio and the lengths of antennas and their suitability for transmitting whatever goes through the wire outside of the wire, just like you would transmit a radio broadcast. So for the first time in history, people who are living in these boxes, in these homes with the antennas or wires in the walls, with electric power hooked up to the home, were being radiated by a type of man-made radiation. And if you've heard our last episode, this would be electric fields. And the entire time you're in a home that has unshielded wiring with electricity in the wires, whether or not you're running any appliances at all, you'll be exposed to electric fields, which couple very effectively with the body. So we talked about that in great detail in our last episode. If you haven't heard that, I encourage you to take a listen to that. And I like to think of dirty electricity as the answer to a question. And the question is this. Can the electric fields that we've already discussed possibly be made even more toxic? That's the question, and dirty electricity is the answer. So we're going to talk about dirty electricity in some detail. Now, if we view that living in a box scenario that we talked about as living in a box 1.0 with the electrification of the grid in North America, of course that electrification of the grid happened city by county by state. It didn't happen all at once. And in hindsight, epidemiologists were able to study what were the health effects that correlated with the electrification of cities. And the methodology for doing that was to find cities that they considered to be appropriate for study in that the two, study, the two cities under study were significantly similar to one another across a number of epidemiological factors. And one was electrified before the other, and then they were able to analyze using publicly available health information what happened. And there's a very interesting book written by a medical doctor and epidemiologist by the name of Samuel Milham, and the name of his book is Dirty Electricity. And he talks about health effects as he studied them as an epidemiologist associated with the electrification of homes in North America and came to the conclusion that there was a strong correlation between newly electrified communities and 
all the diseases of modern civilization. Startling. (laughs) Really startling. So, that was the results of... Oh, by the way, uh, another author picked up that same line of research and published it in his book called The Invisible Rainbow, and his name is Arthur Furstenberg. So if you'd like to read the firsthand accounts of and, and look at that data and what cities were chosen and what diseases they found, I can recommend either of those books as uh, a source for you. So if that was... Living in a Box 1.0, Living in a Box 2.0 began really around the end of the 1970s and the early 1980s with some changes in technology that hadn't been available before that time. So in the 1.0 era from the beginning of the electrification up through the end of the 70s, we need to make an assumption that the electricity was cleaner in those days than it is in the present day. And you'll have to be the judge of whether that's a good assumption to make. One thing that Dr. Milham mentions in his book is the fact that generators that were used in those days had brushes, And brushes are uh, a source of what we're calling dirty electricity. And I think that that's absolutely a valid concern. However, we've had a few factors that I'd like to review with you now with regard to the adoption of new technologies. uh, And we'll call this Living in a Box 2.0. And we'll start by talking about the personal computer revolution. So there were some products that came on the market around that time frame. The most notable two were the IBM PC and the Apple computer version 2. And both of these devices used something called a nonlinear power supply. So power supplies sort of before this age were of a different design and power supplies ever since due to advances in semiconductor technology were able to be constructed in a different way using cheaper components uh, with the unfortunate side effect of every one of the power supplies used with the early personal computers and, by the way, every computing device plugged into the wall from that time until now. So imagine the enormity of that, the number of devices. There were no personal computers in the beginning, and now everybody has one or more. We have uh, laptop computers. We have tablet computers. Everybody has a cell phone the chargers on these are all nonlinear power supplies. So you've got billions of these types of devices that had never existed before now being introduced for the first time to the various grids and the various countries around the world. 
And the impact is, as I said before, each of these produce dirty electricity. What it is, what is it about them that produces an alteration in the electricity, something we call dirty electricity? It is the stopping and starting of current flow at a sort of an RF level. So power flowing off and on, off and on very quickly creates, for lack of a better term, a ripple effect that permeates not only the branch circuit into which the nonlinear power supply is connected, but all other branch circuits in the house, and in fact, um, has an influence on the quality of the power for users downstream, including your neighbors. In addition to nonlinear power supplies, there were other devices never before available that began to be used in increasing numbers all around the world. Possibly the worst offender of all is the power inverter. And I say the worst offender of all because just as we discussed with magnetic fields in episode two and electric fields in episode three, there is a proportionality with regard to dirty electricity. As we discussed in episode two, magnetic fields are proportional to the current. In episode three, Electric fields are proportional to the voltage. And dirty electricity is proportional to the amount of current being used. So power supplies are, are offenders, certainly, but power inverters possibly are the, are the worst offenders. But anyway, they're, they're certainly in the top uh, contender, among the top contenders. Where do we see power inverters? We see them in solar power systems, most notably. So if you are a living in a home that has both grid power and solar power, you're going to have uh, a tremendous issue with dirty electricity. And if you're living in an off-grid home that is not connected to the grid, you'll have an even larger um, issue potentially. Now, these power inverters are also closely related to variable speed pumps. So, a tankless well pump, for example, uh, generally produces a prodigious amount of dirty electricity. Hydronic heating variable speed pumps do the same thing. Mini split heating and air conditioning solutions and many more use a lot of current and has this stopping and starting of current flow which reverberates through the entire electrical system in your home and creates this dirty electricity that we're talking about. So all computational devices and chargers, all things that um, resemble power inverters, variable speed motors, and many, many more things. We shouldn't forget smart meters. 
because they seem to be everywhere now. There may be some utilities that I'm not aware of, utility companies that I'm not aware of that have not yet moved to the so-called smart meters, but they are also a prodigious um, producer of dirty electricity. And by the way, this is something we'll get into at a future date and time when we talk about the different types of smart meters, but both the PLC smart meters and the RF radio frequency smart meters meters are producers of dirty electricity. So the quality of grid-based power has been and continues to be declining. That is, by the way, a term that the power companies are familiar with. If you were to try to engage in a discussion about dirty electricity, um, they wouldn't understand what it was you were saying. But if you said that you had a concern about power quality, uh, they would lean forward in their chairs because that is a concern that they have, and, and it's presented in words that they can understand. They're used to hearing from their commercial customers that when power quality reaches a certain point, it can endanger um, commercial equipment and make for unhappy customers. So power quality is something that the, um, the folks who manage the grid do understand. Oh, engineers, and I mentioned this at the end of our uh, last podcast, engineers might recognize a different term for dirty electricity, and that term is electromagnetic interference. In fact, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but one of the meters we'll discuss near the end of this podcast is called an EMI meter, which stands for electromagnetic interference meter. All the same thing, power quality, dirty electricity, electromagnetic interference, I started this podcast by saying it is everything that shouldn't be there. So my definition for dirty electricity is anything transmitted over electrical wiring not optimal for the provision of electric power to our electric devices and appliances. Recall from our previous podcasts, we talked about how anything that's transmitted over unshielded wiring gets transmitted inside of your home in the electric fields. So, back to the box. We're now living in the era of living in a box, revision 2.0. This experiment began in the 19, late 1970s, early 80s, and continues to this day with an increasing number of power inverters, increasing in solar power, increasing number of variable speed motors, and light, different lighting. We haven't even talked about lighting choices, but all LEDs, um, 
Well, I know of one exception, but most LED lights are tremendous producers of dirty electricity, as well as all fluorescent lighting that I'm familiar with. Um, so all of these things are creating um, power quality issues, electromagnetic interference. And what happens is the wires in your home become polluted with what are called micro surges. So from a smart meter, for example, you'll have a micro surge, just a, a very brief in time, but potentially high in intensity. You'll have a surge of uh, electric current that's being used to power the uh, smart meter, for example. Or it could be what we would call a harmonic issue. So with regard to lighting, for example, um, in a fluorescent ballast, uh, that is the power supply for the fluorescent lighting tubes. Those may oscillate in the tens of thousands range. So you are transmitting a signal in that range all throughout the wiring in your home, which then liberates that in the form of electric fields and exposes every little th living thing in the house to these different uh, surges and different frequencies that have not been a part of the power generation and power transmission paradigm of the past. So it remains to be seen what the health effects will be. Um, and I don't know that there is a control group any longer. And what I mean by that is there are no more twin cities in the United States that are similar in epidemiological factors, one of which has not embraced alternative energy and inverters and variable speed motors and computer um, power supplies. Um, I would be very surprised. I don't think there is anything like that. So coming up with a study to determine what the health effects are may be impossible because of the lack of ability for finding a control. However, this podcast is targeted for people who are EMF refugees or would-be refugees who already know that EMF is the problem and they are looking for a solution. So we'll go ahead and leave behind this uh, mythical experiment of living in a box 2.0 and we'll move, we'll move forward into talking about how can we measure dirty electricity. We've talked about what causes it. We've given some context for how we might think about it in terms of an environmental toxin, but can it be measured is, is the question. So I alluded previously to a device called a line EMI, or electromagnetic interference meter, 
These are commonly used in the the area that I work in with electromagnetic field consultants, people who go into others' homes and we evaluate electric fields, magnetic fields, dirty electricity, and of course, RF radiation, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But the EMI type meter or a cousin called the Stetzer meter. These are very commonly used. You can plug them into the wall. You'll receive uh, an immediate digital readout of the relative amount of dirty electricity on that particular branch circuit in that home at that point in time. And the numbers may vary wildly over time, depending on the power quality of the grid that that home is connected to or the types of devices you have running in your home or what your neighbors are doing. Um, Or it may be relatively stable over time. But in either case, you'll receive a reading. Now the line EMI meter will give you a different reading because the technology that underlies its um, algorithm is different than what's on the Stetzer meter. One has a speaker so that you can further visualize what is going on on that line. And it can be very helpful um, when you get used to the noises that you're hearing to be able to, if you have experience, discern a little bit about perhaps what's going on Um, That'll give you more insight than the numbers themselves. The other device does not have that audio circuitry that allows you to visualize further what's going on other than the numbers that are provided. And I want to emphasize with this type of meter as well as any other type of meter that has a sound function We're not hearing the sound of the EMF. What we're hearing is the modulation of the electromagnetic field in the audio spectrum. So imagine, if you will, for a moment, visualize, if you can, a fire hose that's squirting something out of it, only instead of water, it is a type of radiation. And the, depending on the frequency of that radiation, it can be a lower frequency radiation, it can be a higher frequency radiation, but that's something that we can't hear in and of itself. If that fire hose is turning on and off at a rate that's less than 20,000 times per second, that is something that we can hear. So generally what we're hearing with the sound feature on not only this meter, but other meters, is that modulation, if you will, that turning on and off of that flow of electromagnetic radiation coming out of that imaginary fire hose that we just talked about. So Either one of these devices, I think, make a good survey device. They don't nearly tell the whole story, though. 
And the reason for that is both of them look at a single wire, and that is what we would call the hot wire um, in a circuit. So there's a notion of a common conductor, and sometimes that's called a neutral conductor. It's anything but neutral except by proclamation, and that's the way that we treat it. The other one is called the hot, and that's the one that's generally protected. So we can talk about that in detail at another time, but the point is that either one of these two meters that I've talked about really only looks at the hot wire and the electrical energies that are on that wire that are not needful for the provision of electric power to our devices. So these are all the microsurges and all the harmonic frequencies that are on that hot wire. And it is very useful information, and it is very helpful for a survey, but there are other wires um, in an average panel in a home in the United States, there are not one but two hot wires, L1 and L2, and they're not the same. And so to do a thorough assessment, you'd want to look at both of those. And you can do that with either of these meters, but then there are other wires still. We've got the neutral wire, and you can have dirty electricity on the neutral wire, and you can have dirty electricity on the ground wire. And by the way, I'm mentioning for the first time here, there are, there are electrical um, forces in the wires, and there are magnetic, just as we've talked about magnetic fields and electric fields previously. So these two meters, they're just looking at the electrical component Nobody really looks at the, the magnetic component. And at any rate, neither of these two devices can tell you anything about the frequency of the dirty electricity or the dominant frequency of the dirty electricity in a home. Still useful for, you know, survey purposes, but a better tool would be an oscilloscope and to properly use an oscilloscope is way beyond what I think we can accomplish with this podcast. You either know how to safely use an oscilloscope for evaluation of the power system in a home, or you don't. If you don't know how to do that in a safe manner, um, it's something that I, I would not recommend that you try. However, um, for people who know how, when you use an oscilloscope, you can see visually, first of all, whether or not the power that's coming over that line has the desired uh, shape, the sine wave that is supposed to underlie the provision of electric power in our homes a gentle rising 
described by a parabolic arch and a decline from zero voltage potential to a peak voltage and then back down to zero and then a mirror image of the first gradual arch going up, this one going down where the voltage potential becomes negative in the same magnitude as it previously went positive. The delta between the peak at the positive and the negative is your average voltage. And then the curve continues back up to meet the point of origin of zero potential. Very difficult to explain verbally, but there's it should be a graceful and beautiful what's called a sine wave that you see. And I have never seen a graceful and beautiful one um, other than a test, a test generated uh, sine wave. They are so adulterated um, in the homes that I've been in where I've done evaluations. You see gross malformations of the actual waveform associated with the power. That's not something you can evaluate with a, a simple survey meter. But you can also see the uh, micro peaks of voltage, and you can get an idea of what's going on in the frequency range, although it's, it's better to step out of the voltage domain if you know how to do that with an oscilloscope and go into the frequency domain. And there you will see uh, neatly lined up for you are, you know, what are the primary offenders um, in terms of the frequencies that are living on that wire at that time that don't belong there. And they're all of the ones that are not within um, a few hundred hertz of the 60 hertz number that we've been talking about all along with regard to electric power. So excluding frequencies under, say, 500 hertz, everything else doesn't belong or shouldn't be on wiring that's designed to deliver power to your appliances. And if you look at it on an oscilloscope, you can get a really good idea in the frequency range of what harmonic frequencies are there that should not be there, and that can give you an insight into where the problems might be, which eventually help in remediation. Advanced topic, not one we'll be covering in great detail, but the professionals that know how to use it have a real edge. And it is, in my opinion, the best way to take a detailed look at dirty electricity. So one of my themes throughout these first broadcasts has been it isn't just RF radiation that the sensitive person needs to be concerned with. It is, in my opinion, the aggregation of all of these primary forms of electromagnetic fields that we find in the common, the average home. Magnetic fields, electric fields, dirty electricity, and the RF radiation. So you, you just don't know what you're going to find on the wiring in a house that doesn't belong there. 
and I've I've seen AM radio um, being conducted on the wires of a home, and I've seen it more than once. Um, I once had the opportunity, I was asked to do two houses that were being considered for purchase. They were built by the same builder. They looked very similar, the same materials. They were within, oh, 50, 50 or 60 feet of one another. And the buyer was considering picking up both of these houses on a parcel of land um, as an investment, but they wanted to know um, what the EMF was like in them. And so that was the first time that I had ever seen uh, AM radio broadcast on an electric wire in a home. And it was in one home, but the one just next door, as I say, 50 or 60 feet away, there was no trace whatsoever. So, and, I, and I've, I've since had this happen before and on one occasion um, the owner of the house had been hearing music and when there was no music being played. So, you know, if, if you're not aware of things like electric fields, magnetic fields, dirty electricity, sometimes you don't know where to look to find the answers to, to some of these things that are um, less well-known, but are well-known in the context of dealing with EMF in the house. So other, other types of radiation can appear as well. We talked about AM radio being propagated on the wiring. If you're, if you're near a cell phone tower, um, the much higher frequency radiation from a cell phone tower can live on those wires for a time. Um, all upstream electric utility users between you and the substation or the point of generation can have an impact on the quality of your power or the dirty electricity you find in your home, most especially close neighbors. So again, target of this broadcast is those people who are EMF refugees and they are trying to reduce their total exposure to the harmful man-made non-ionizing radiation that is in the, the average home. So I've made a recommendation with regard to electric fields and magnetic fields that it would be prudent for somebody who knows that they're sensitive and is trying to avoid these things, they need to have the appropriate equipment and know how to do an assessment, I believe, in their own home. And they're probably going to want to get a, get help with that for the first um, time or two. But eventually, particularly if they're moving from place to place, I think it'd be a good idea if they learned how to do that assessment themselves and had the equipment to do it. And then they would be in a position to help others who had the same uh, need as well. So for those purposes, I would suggest either the uh, line EMI meter 
that I recommended. The manufacturer is Alpha Labs Incorporated. You can buy these at uh, Safe Living Technology. They have a, by the way, they have a shortened URL, SLT, like Sierra Lima Tango, www.slt.co. And um, anyway, uh, they're the same supplier that I mentioned with regard to electric field and magnetic field um, meters. They do not carry the Stetzer meter, which I think is perfectly adequate for evaluating um, dirty electricity for somebody not um, doing this professionally. Um, the Stetzer meter, I think, is a fine meter. Those are available through a company called Less EMF, as in not more, but less emf.com and uh, you can find it just doing a search of, of their website so I hope that's been helpful I hope that people have a better idea now than they did before of what dirty electricity is in a nutshell it's the things that don't belong on the wiring of your home that are liberated from the wiring through the electric field that we've already discussed and end up coupling with living things inside of the home. That's what dirty electricity is. We talked about what causes it and how there's been a tremendous inflection point because of the development of technology. Some helpful technology, some harmful technologies. Um, but with regard to computational devices, they all run on direct current. And this translating alternating current to direct current, or in the case of an inverter, translating direct current into alternating current, these two things create huge problems in the creation of dirty electricity. And the close relative there is all your variable speed motors on all the things I mentioned, uh, even treadmills and things like that. Lighting really has an impact. We'll talk on a future prod podcast what can be done to make product progress and remediation in each of the areas that we've discussed. We talked about how to measure it and then how we can think about it in terms of uh, the context of an environmental toxin. So I hope this has been helpful I'm looking forward to the next podcast, which will be about radio frequency radiation. This is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um, this is the one that gets all the attention, so I've saved this one till the end. And it's been the reckless proliferation of RF-based technologies that have led to a quintillion fold increase in all of our exposure to harmful man-made electromagnetic radiation. You don't want to miss the next podcast. Thank you for spending some time with us. This is Keith Cutter with EMF Remedy. You've been listening to the Reversing Electromagnetic Poisoning podcast. See you next time.